Left. Right. Welcome to the latest episode of Sip Talk. Today we are talking about fuel prices and people hoarding gas and people hoarding other items like toilet paper. If you're one of those people, you might be a terrible person. Listen to this podcast and find out. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right. What is up, guys? Looks like we are now live on Facebook. We are live on TikTok, live on Instagram, live here in person. What is up, James? The Bosnator Boswell. What are you drinking? Struggling to open. I went to the store last night and they were sold out of bush ice. Oh, and it shit. was it was more upsetting to me that it had any reason to be. <laughs> that throws you off your game, man. That's not good. It really does. So um I went and I got myself a oil can of Foster's. Ooh. Australian boy. for beer. That that is a big beer. That is a big beer. I got a little scotch here. I'm gonna throw it on uh, some ice. Ooh, only a half a circle. Uh, uh, yeah. I bought some orange bitters last night to restock, and I forgot how much I love orange bitters. Yeah, but you can't mix that with your beer. No, I've got um whiskey on the rocks with a pretty hef- hefty dash of orange bitters to go along with the beer well look uh this is episode 101 and uh today we're going to be talking about fuel prices and uh hoarding because the two of those things go together they they very much do uh i mean if you're hoarding fuel so just to just to kind of kick us off on the on the fuel prices What's the current price of fuel uh, where you are in Charleston, South Carolina? Um, I sure don't know because I wasn't paying attention today, but I can look it up. Um, it's probably in like the high twos. Mm-hmm. We are right around uh, three bucks. The place near my apartment in the city uh, is roughly about four ninety nine, almost always. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think I don't think any anything that happens to fuel prices uh, and. Oh shit! In the greater country, have uh, have any effect on that gas station? But obviously, the Jersey prices—they all compete with each other. That particular place in uh, Hell's Kitchen was just kind of competing with people running out of fuel before they come in or out of the Lincoln Tunnel. So yeah, uh, we're in the mid to high two, somewhere between like two sixty and two eighty. I'd say we're a little higher here. So. To the reason we're talking about fuel prices, I don't really give a shit, you know, whether you spend an extra 84 cents on your gas, really, that's not, you know, it's not a big issue to me. And, and I, I really don't think it's, it's, it's going to make or break anybody over this, this month, the fuel prices, because I think they're going to come back down. Reason is, is temporary thing. You know, what's going on with this, this gas pipeline right now, James, right? A little bit. So the company that has this, I think it's called uh, Colonial. 
Yep. Based in Georgia, I believe. Yeah. And I, I read today that there's uh, 5,500 miles of, of pipeline. They, uh, I jotted it down. They basically they, run from Houston through the deep south and then up the east coast. 100 million mile, 100 million gallons per day, which is an insane amount of fuel every single day that's pumping that's pumping through this line and that the company's computer systems have been taken over by hackers and the hackers are basically running a ransomware program um, ransomware for anybody who's not familiar with it is the hacker basically can lock your system or steal your files or corrupt your files in demand that you pay a ransom and i think it's a pretty clever it's a pretty clever way to hack somebody and they're asking people to pay in Bitcoin right yeah, now. Because untraceable. Because Bitcoin is untraceable and uh, it's just wild how super susceptible our country is. And, you know, uh, I have very limited sympathy for, for large corporations that fall victim of hacking schemes because what you find almost every single time is that they didn't put money towards their own cybersecurity and they were usually made aware of either a problem or a vulnerability and just decided that it was not worth the money to fix it. Um, you can see that when target got hacked probably about five years ago where they knew of a problem and they're just like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And well, then didn't they, they hack credit card numbers or something like that. Yeah, every time I log into uh, Chrome, I get an alert anywhere from like 80 to like 200 and something passwords are compromised. And, and do you do anything about it? I mean, at this point, it's like, it's too much of a, like, what am I going to, you know, do like 17 passwords a day for the next few weeks? Like, uh, it, and it seems like that number is, is constantly changing depending on which device I'm using. So, yeah, I have the same problem and I take the same course of action. What's that? You just kind of click off of it. Mm -hmm. I do nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, but it, I'm also not a billion dollar corporation. Well, that's the thing. And you, and you also don't control other people's finances, nor do you control the fuel supply to the greater portion of the gas guzzling United States. Um, but this is a big issue. I'm, I, I did some reading on it and they're they're predicted to be be you know basically restored by the end of this week which to me if i was to give that answer to somebody like if i had an issue in my office and i told somebody i was planning to have it resolved by friday that would mean like i haven't exactly figured out what course of action i'm going to take like that would be the bullshit answer I would give somebody because basically your system's hacked and you either got to pay or you have to like evade and restore. Evade. Right. So they probably are seeing like they're probably hiring outside cybersecurity firms to say, hey, is there any way that you guys can fix this instead of us having to pay this ransom? Yeah, but they're so. But the point is, they're still hiring people. They don't have any idea what's going on like this. This is coming from like their press department when there's like deep tech and you know a lot going on with the with the with the deep tech 
and the external companies that they're probably hiring. So, so the people that are giving these statements, really, I can't imagine, have very much idea of the intricacies of the hack. Well, if you're, and, and, yeah, if you're the press, like the public relations person for Colonial or really any large corporation for that matter, like unless you have a firm solution, which is rare, then your job is just to speak in the most vague terms possible, thank people for being there and walk off the stage. But, <laughs> and that's, that's, they don't have any intricate knowledge of hacking and, and, you know, of course not. the They're back in PR. Like, exactly. So they want to make got it hot sound. Chick that got hired half, half for that reason alone. Yeah. But they, they want to make it sound as, as, you know, as non of an issue as possible. And then you have, I think it was your governor who declared a state of emergency, maybe, maybe Florida. Um, I don't, I don't pay attention, but, uh, uh, how do you know that? more about what my governor's doing than I do? Not Twitter. Um, <laughs> but basically said we had a state of emergency and then followed up and said, you don't need to rush to the gas stations to fill up on fuel, which people are doing. And we actually have gas stations around us that are running out of fuel. Uh, it's happening down here too, it, but it depends on where you go. Because I was there, there was a thread on Reddit in Charleston talking about like lines for for gas stations, and one, one person said that Costco it was like a, a hurricane's about to hit, and then other people are like we're in other places in West Ashley, and that it, it's fine. And then there's other places like yeah, they're completely out of fuel. We can't even buy it. Well, I I was lucky enough this weekend to have bought a a uh, lawnmower, a push mower, because I told you I got a riding mower, right? What happened but to the riding mower? It's, it works great. It works great. I mowed the other day before I had a major allergic reaction on, on air. Um, but you can't get kind of all the the steep valleys and, you know, all the shit that's going on in the yard. And you can't get close to certain things. So um, I had to get a push mower, basically. I got a nice push mower on uh, Facebook Marketplace. And on the way back, I figured I'd, uh, I brought the five, a couple five gallon tanks with me. I figured I'd top those off and I just stuck the, the gas nozzle in, uh, you know, the back of the pickup truck into the lawnmower, filled up the lawnmower and topped off the car. And because I was pumping gas myself, I forgot that, uh, that New Jersey, you don't pump your own gas. So what happened was the guy filled up the truck and then I said, all right, I'm going to take it out of the truck once the truck's full fill up the five gallons and then fill up the lawnmower. But I never got my card back, which not particularly happy about, but yeah, I left a, uh, I left a freaking credit card in the gas pump, which is like what I use for fuel. So I'm not, not very thrilled about that. I need to buy another one. I also use that to get into apartments that are locked. So I replace a card quite a bit. So I try not to, Try to space out how how often I reorder this car, this particular car. <laughs> um, you just use it to jimmy the. Yeah, like when there's a you know sometimes a, the keys don't always work or sometimes a, the super doesn't answer the buzzer, so you just pop the little card to the slot when you're trying to get into a an apartment. And uh, I mean, it works. It works probably nine out of ten times, and it's just yeah, unless it's a super secure door. But most doors in New York City are old and. There's lots well, of space in between. Deadbolt solves all your problems there. Well, Deadbolt's gonna, yeah, Deadbolt's gonna keep somebody with a credit card out. Um, but yeah, I I, fu- I fueled up and uh, I'm pretty good on the fuel, so I'm not rushing to. Uh, I got a half tank and I'm not panicking. Yeah, like, you know the the last time I remember there being a big issue for fuel for me 
was during Hurricane Sandy. And Hurricane Sandy was in New York City when everything was flooded. Uh, the, the power was out in the majority of the city. And uh, all the gas stations were closed. And there were huge, huge lines for fuel. And I actually, in looking for fuel, my, my motorcycle was a bit empty at the time. I think the motorcycle holds like three gallons, maybe a little more. And I got on the highway to go up a couple of exits to uh, another gas station. I heard it had fuel and I ran out of gas on the highway. Um, and I luckily coasted just to an exit. And then as soon as I was able to, this is the FDR uh, highway on the east side of Manhattan, which is like the lanes are just about as wide as a, as a regular sedan. So, you know, getting, having to push walk alongside a broken down motorcycle is some scary shit, but luckily I coasted just to an exit and was able to push it off the exit. Um, and then like a half mile through, a kind of a rougher area in Harlem, which was not fun. Um, and then I, I still didn't get gas for like a week. So what, did that, you just leave the, the motorcycle at the gas station? I, yeah, I left the, the bike across the street from the gas station in a legal parking spot. And I would just come, you know, uh, I think I came like three or four times up to the area to see if I could get fuel. And I'd wait, wait in a line a couple of times. And then they, they just called it. They said, all right, sorry, guys, we're out of gas. One of the times I actually, <laughs> this is me like thinking I, I was going to hack the fuel situation. I bought like four or five cans of the, the fuel injector cleaner. Cause that's like oh. super high test. <laughs> and, uh, I, I put that in the motorcycle, hoping that would at least get me home. And it got me about a quarter of a block. Like the bike started up and it started to go. And then it just kind of sputtered out and turned off. So fuel injector cleaner, not a substitute for actual fuel, despite what you would be led to believe by the high test of um, that stuff. Let's ask the chat. Anybody, if, if anybody else is having problems getting gas or like, cause I want to talk, I, I I hate hoarders with a pretty special passion because it's, it's super selfish behavior. It's we know that there's a scarce resource and I'm going to keep it all for myself so that other people can't get it. Uh, so we're talking about different types of hoarders then. Well, uh, no, you're talking like, about toilet paper hoarders, but gas is the same thing. Well, ga yes, gas. And, and these are kind of commodity type uh type items yeah, i'm I not talking about hoarders about like, like people that magazine hoarders or something yeah been like a magazine from 1973 that had one article that you don't want to forget uh, about yeah. so <laughs> might as well have like 400 issues of it well i i was I, that's the type of hoarding i thought you were talking about so i started to do a little digging into kind of the emotionally vulnerable people that turn into it, this so type of in my text you couldn't take into context what type of hoarders i was i was referring to based I never, on i never you know I, I didn't think about gasoline as something someone would hoard now that's i mean exactly I, what people are doing right now i now have 10 gallons of gasoline uh in the garage and uh and and maybe another two gallons or whatever that the lawnmower holds i don't have any idea it's a new mower um so uh so no i didn't i didn't think about that at all but but yeah if I heard there was a scarcity in something, I, I'm, I don't know. My thinking is the last thing I would want to do is go to a Costco while there's a gazillion people there and people are fighting over fucking toilet paper. 
Like, that was one of the dumber aspects of the beginning of the pandemic, in my opinion, because it, it would be one thing if this was a sickness that made you poop a lot. But, but it yeah, wasn't. but there was no shortage of toilet paper until people started buying it. Until, it, it yeah, but it was self it was a self-induced shortage of toilet paper. Yeah. But had no had people not ransacked the store for toilet paper we would have just continued shitting and using toilet paper and buying toilet paper and shitting and using toilet paper. And it wouldn't have been an issue. at our normal rate. So I guess what you're asking about is what is, what is the psychology of the person that goes, Oh shit, a, a storm's coming. We need, I mean, th- what I don't well, get is, you know, we live in like a, a first world country. So like if there is a hurricane or there is, I mean, I guess like maybe uh Louisiana, uh, where they what hurricane was that 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 hit Katrina was the one that really devastated them. Yeah, so you have a hurricane Katrina type instance, and again, you're in like a, a hot zone for for hurricanes. I could get it while you might want to stock up a little bit, but really, the best answer would be like, bro, like maybe it's time to go somewhere else. Well, it's like, there's there's a difference because if it, even down here before a hurricane hits, and I've had a few of them, is I will go to the store and I'll get enough food for maybe two or three days and i'll get the kind of food that if i lose power i can still eat so Um, probably not canned food no canned food or pasta yeah the pasta no because you need to boil water but canned food fun you can have canned food cold you might not enjoy it all that much but i i can't think of once in my entire life when the power has been out and i've gone to canned food um i have after hurricanes here uh having cold chef boyardee not the worst. I absolutely hate Chef Boyardee. Actually, it's nauseating to me. Uh, what is what's one Bolognios or something? Spaghettios. Um, Spaghettios? Yeah, but whatever the case is, yeah, like Chef Boyardee, like a whole bunch of bread and other stuff. But we we would buy enough food to estimate about two or three days. With the logic being that after two or three days, things are either going to start getting better and we'll get power back on and we'll be fine, or after two or three days, if it's really that bad. It's it's time to go somewhere else and come that, back once things are fixed. That's that's I mean, I, my thing, I'm just so behind the curve. Like, I don't want to go to the store when it's going to be busy and there's going to be people that are like anxious and upset. Uh, it's just it's not in my mindset. And then I'm just like, you know, there's a shit ton of food that, that like before I moved, I tried not to go grocery shopping at all so that like I would just use the food that's in the cabinets. And I still have so like I had to move all this fucking food mm-hmm. um, just because I couldn't I couldn't even get through it. But but the idea of eating out of canned food when you don't have power to me seems absolutely miserable. It, it helps if you've got beer. I, I actually probably spend my hurricane prep. If you were to do it dollar <laughs> for dollar, I probably spend 65 to 70 percent of my hurricane prep budget on booze. I think with the remaining 30 to 35 percent being on stuff like food and candles. Actually, I don't even I've got so many candles at this point. I don't need any. (laughs) Um, I mean, to me, that to me, that makes sense when there's whenever we have like snow days or anything like I I always go to the liquor store ahead of time. Um, To me, I think if there's like natural disaster or something. Uh, canned food is not going to be my first priority. It's going to be straight, <laughs> straight booze. <laughs> did I, did I ever, did, you know, I went to, uh, 
to James and I have a mutual friend from South Carolina, Max, and I went to his wedding in 2018 or 19 and 2019. And uh, the hotel was on fire. Did I tell you this story? Um, yes. Hold on. What, what's Lisa talking about? That uh, seems like punishment. Yeah, the, the canned food. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, Lisa, what are you talking about? It seems like punishment. Um, so, but basically the hotel was on fire. Like people were screaming. Uh, there was like a boy scout group. People were running. I mean, it, it, you would have thought like fire was broken out in the lobby. And like, so, I mean, I kind of looked around and, and like saw no smoke, but I just saw dozens of people like coming through the staircases. I looked at the bartenders and like, what are we going to do? And they're like, well, it looks like the building must be really bad. So I walked behind the bar. The bartenders just kind of watched me. I grabbed a bottle of vodka and I said, all right, guys, let's let's go outside. <laughs> How long had you been drinking at this point? <laughs> I don't know. Probably most of the morning. Um there's but, other parts of that story of that weekend <laughs> that I think are story worthy as well. I think we'll keep them off of, off of this episode <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> but that was a rough, that was a rough weekend for me. Uh, you know, dealing with my own issues and, and uh, you know, enjoying it. It was a very nice wedding actually. Uh, nice to wedding. Lisa eating canned food during a power outage. It's one of those ones where like, you kind of <laughs> have to look at it like camping, except you're in your house. And like you, you don't have so I don't know where you live, Lisa, but in South Carolina, we shut things down pretty hard for hurricanes. It's actually like I look forward to it every single year. It's like your like, snow days. Oh, yeah, completely. Like the city will empty out like 70 or 80 percent of the people will leave. There's no traffic. A lot of places closed down. It's like you have the city to yourself. And then if the hurricane actually hits, you'll have like a couple days off from work because chances are there's no power or whatever else. And major flooding. Um, yeah, but it, it's, I don't know. You have to go into it with the right attitude. And if you've got like a decent bottle of whiskey and like some cards and some people to hang out with, then having the canned food is just part of the experience. <laughs> and you, you have to look at it. Like when you're going camping, you're giving up on a lot of the, the positive trappings of civilization for some kind of other experience. And so, yeah, hurricane parties, are, are kind of like that where you, you're, you're giving you're giving up some things because hey i don't have to go to work and i'm still getting paid and uh what if you have an electric can opener well I have, then I it's have, not going to be very useful you should have a hand crank. yeah well that would make sense that that uh, having an electric can opener i guess that's kind of cool but you know if you're in a situation where you need to be eating canned food then you're kind of fucked. My mom bought me a very nice can opener. It opens cans at a different angle and it kind of dulls the sharp edge of the can, which sounds really cool. But I oftentimes have major difficulty using it and I threw out the other can opener that I had. So, well, maybe yeah. spend the $7 and get yourself another can opener. You know what I. I don't, I may be the only person that does this, but you know, the grocery store, they have like that one section that has like all the, uh, like kitchen equipment. Yeah. I always stop and I'm like, Oh, what, what else could I get for the kitchen? I never, you never know. And I may need a plantain smasher or some really nice, uh, reusable kebab sticks or, 
a, I have, you know, I have a lemon squeezer, a lime squeezer, and an orange squeezer. Just so, the, like, oh, I, want, <laughs> I just, I always, I always stop at this aisle. I'm like, well, that, that's stupid because there, there are all these stupid contraptions that you can buy for the kitchen. That most of which, if you buy just one thing, will do it all. And like, it, I've got a juice press. So I don't need to have a hand press or anything else like that. It fits all size, sizes of fruits and I can just juice them. I don't need to have like a lemon sized one, a grapefruit sized one, a lime sized one. And you have a, you like have a press. Yeah. You know, like you got to you got to take a picture of it and send it to me. I'm just curious. It's just I, one of those ones that like the countertop stand one where like you've got the cup and it's attached and then you've got the handle that you pull down. I don't have one of those. Um, it cost me like 80 bucks on Amazon. Um, Stars and Stripes is why, why, why I don't go camping unless I'm roasting marshmallows and hot dogs. Hey, during a hurricane party in Charleston, there's a lot of brush that falls down. You can gather it all up, have a little bonfire at night. And if you were... And you can cook your beans. And you, yeah, you can cook your beans over the fire along with your, your marshmallows and hot dogs. <clears throat> I, uh, I think there's some people in my office that said they're, they're going camping this weekend, which... Seems a little premature for me because it's still very cold outside. Not down uh, here. Well, I'm sure it's still it's it's fucking miserable cold up here still like not motorcycle weather, in my opinion. You know, I've I don't know about you, but I've never been like camping, camping. I've never been like you go to the woods, you bring a tent. I stayed in a tent like in the backyard. When we were kids. We used to do that. Yeah, we slept down I, on the trampoline all the time. Yeah, but I've never gone like camping, camping. Uh, and that I, even in adult life, it doesn't have any allure to me. Same here. Yeah. It just doesn't like, there's no showers. You just stand at, you just stand at tent. The last time I was in California, the Derv's friend, Ben was talking about, he had just gotten back from like a weekend trip doing camping out on like the West coast, like on the coast coast. And I was asking him how it was. And he was talking about, he's like, yeah, you should totally try it. And my brother says, you can stop right there. Like, as soon as as soon as something involves pooping outdoors, James is out. I heard, you know, I never even thought about that. I just thought I didn't want to be kind of stuck outside, no electricity. And I mean, not that like I need like a super posh setup, you know, to like sleep in. Um, I go to my friend's house and when he has company over, I, I throw a tent in the backyard because to me it just seems easier. But well, having a tent in your backyard. That, that that's just kind of like oh we're doing something fun this weekend well here's here's what happens our uh semi co-host he's he's co-hosted a few episodes adam is a terrible host for when you you go to his home so he, uh, why am i not surprised he basically it's fend for yourself so uh there's like a couple of air mattresses and some big sofas but he is not there's there's zero interest in like getting people set up with this stuff beforehand it's just like all right it's one o'clock in the morning we've been drinking all day i'm going to sleep see you guys tomorrow and then and then everybody just is kind of like all right i got dibs on the sofa and they're like no i already got dibs on that yeah there's an air mattress across the street the the bedding's (laughs) on the roof so people will like sleep in their car so i just after and you know, Lisa says, "I've never been camping. The idea of vacationing to pretend like I'm poor makes no sense." <laughs> so, yeah, I, I see the same same it, logic. In in the past, people were very nice to me, like, "Oh, you know, Justin's the Justin's the boss. Make sure he gets like the premium spot on the sofa, um, or the air mattress, or something like that." 
But oftentimes what's happened is uh, people have gone to sleep there before. Like we don't all go to sleep at the same time and I'll be up until two o'clock in the morning so and then, passes out on the couch. And then I'm not, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to move somebody. You know, I'm not going to be like, no, look, you, you can sleep face down over there where the dog sleeps on the carpet. All right. There's some extra fur for cushioning. Uh, I'm taking the spot. Like, so um, there, and I mean, we spent a lot of time in the summertime out in the, the house in Long Island. So uh, at a certain point, I just got these blow up mattresses and um, a tent and the tent is super easy. You just kind of plop it down and pull on it and it springs into place. And then the, the little air mattresses uh, blow up nice and easy and a couple of blankets and just throw it in the backyard. So that's the biggest extent of, of camping that I have done ever probably. Yeah. I, I just don't understand the appeal. There's lots of vacations that I get that I personally wouldn't do, but camping doesn't tick any of the boxes for me. I just don't understand the why. Like I'm going to give up all the conveniences that I have, to be out in the woods with very little to do. Yeah. Like I don't I like hiking. I think that's cool. I like having a bonfire. I also think that is cool. But uh the trapping myself in the woods like I don't I don't have, I'm not like a GI Joe man. Like I don't have that. When I was a kid I used to really dig that stuff. Yet even as a kid I never went truly truly camping. But I used to have like a backpack full. Oh, you know, we used to cook outside on the on this outdoor fireplace. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I don't have that stuff as an adult. Yeah, like if but you like told the me the I kitchen had... was 100 feet away. Yeah, exactly. If you told me I had to make a, a fire outside. I mean, I guess I could probably I, I'm sure I could make that. But you got 10 gallons of gasoline. <laughs> I got 10 gallons. But in a true shortage, you know, I'd have to rub my cans of spinach together. Um, all right, what else do we have on this this fuel shortage? Or, or oh. wh- what other thoughts do you have on hoarders? Because my thinking of hoarders was people, like I started looking into emotionally damaged people and people who like actually hoard like tons of shit. And I'm reading articles about people that no, I'm, I'm like, save appliances. About, like- Basically, people that are hoarding goods that are in short supply on a temporary basis just because and I just don't get it because it's not, for example, like the toilet paper or whatever or or the fuel right now, which is so I've got a half gallon tank in my car and that'll last me at least the next four or five days. You got a half tank. A half That's a what tank. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've got a, my tank is half full which that'll get me to and from work for the rest of the week. And then if I need to drive somewhere on the weekend, I can do that. And I don't have to, like, I'm not going to have to worry about like leaving Charleston and going on some road trip to some city. That's now safe. It's not like the fuel. I can kind of understand it with a hurricane where like, if you leave town on less than a full tank of fuel and all the gas stations are closed and you need to drive a couple hundred miles, to get away from the hurricane while being stuck in traffic from everybody else that's doing it, I can get one wanted to have a full tank of fuel, but yeah. that's not even what this is right now. There's no but disaster coming. So there's a thing about the suburbs that I've learned and I I'm not quite adjusted to the mentality, but I did buy like, I don't know, 10 or 12, uh, big Gatorades the other day, a few different sleeves of Pepsi Maxes, um, and a few uh, seltzers. 
So now, and like more than I could even carry, but, and I know I do the same thing with beer. I get a few cases of beer at a time. Whereas when I lived in the city, I would get a six pack or maybe a 12 pack. And I'd be, you know, if I was having people over, I might say, Hey, make sure you bring something too. But I, there was no way for me to transport three cases of beer home. Well, you also didn't have the space to store it. Well, the, you have the storage space. Yeah. I used to keep like stuff in the coat, coat closet, like cases of beer and, and two liters of soda and stuff for when I, you know, when I was having guests over, but I do notice that going from somebody who's in the city who was content with having a half full refrigerator to living in the suburbs where you have additional storage space, maybe potentially a deep freezer or more than one refrigerator why you would keep this extra stuff. But, but I mean, well, it's more just like, it's just saving you a trip in the future. It's like, I'm going to the store. I might as well buy a whole bunch, like anything that doesn't go bad, like soda or beer, might as well buy two or three. I've got the space to store it. And now I don't have to go to the store for like another month. Yeah. I don't know. Doria says, uh, I told you guys to get an electric vehicle six months ago. Yeah. But with that, you're, you're really screwed. Yeah, if you run that. out of power, like if, you, if the power's out, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about natural disaster. Well, actually we're yeah, actually well, talking about, we're fuel. talking about this, this artificial about crisis. Yeah, exactly. But let's say it's a hurricane. Let's say the only car that you have is an electric vehicle. Hurricane comes by, knocks the power out. Well, so you have solar power on the house. Yeah. But your solar panels might be damaged if, the hurricane was bad enough yeah depends on but depends let, on let's solar. just assume most people don't have solar panels and not everyone's house can even fit them because if you've got a lot of shade around it or whatever it might not be smart to put solar panels on your house anyways mm-hmm. power goes out you got an electric vehicle electric vehicles don't have the same range that gas-powered vehicles do that's one of the biggest problems with electric electric vehicles right now is the energy density problem but if you get an electric vehicle, well, you might not be able to charge that thing for a week or two, and you're not going to be able to charge it away from your house either because any of the charging stations around you also don't have power. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm looking at the Tesla uh, range. They say is Model S long range plus vehicles have an official EPA range of 402 miles. So, we're so that's say, pretty good. We're going to say like 350. But 300 each one's different because like the Model X, like the Tesla SUV, it's only like mm-hmm. 250 miles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I could I could drive an electric vehicle and not worry about, uh, you know, I'm not. When was the last time I took a long, long road trip? I wouldn't know. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we talk often enough. You, you, you probably have a good idea, but unless What's I'm like driving of a long road trip. Um, five hours plus, I would say. Okay. Um, but no, I, I guess I've driven to like Buffalo. Um, and then I've, you know, I had to go out to like Philadelphia. Philadelphia uh, is not then, a long road trip at all. And then back. So it's like three hours out two and a half three hours out two and a half three hours. so that's it's three hours from new york to philadelphia i don't know it was when i it took freaking forever or the the time that i i told you by the time i did we talk about this on air when i bought the grill no um hold on i did a poor job preparing for this uh podcast i gotta pee real quick all right so we're gonna we're gonna let <laughs> we're gonna let james run to the bathroom 
take a little bathroom break. Um, please close the door behind you. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> for those of you guys who have watched enough episodes of Sip Talk, you understand that we're drinking throughout the episode. We talked about this in the last episode, the 100th episode, where kind of our, our off title topic was good ideas, bad ideas that sound good to begin with. And a podcast where you're on air for an hour, yet you're drinking the entire time is incredibly difficult to sustain. Uh, we actually started talking about what I said was probably the worst job I could ever imagine was being a bus driver because I could see being a taxi driver because you could, in between fares, you can pee in a cup. And if you spend enough time in New York City, a lot of cab drivers pissing in bottles. But as a bus driver, there's no break. You're either, I don't know what the bus driver shifts are, but you're either three hours, four hours, or six hours, or eight hours, and there's no piss break. So uh, I, I can definitely understand having to run and take a break in the middle of a podcast where you're drinking beer or liquor the entire podcast. So no, yeah, no my planning no. is spectacular in this one because I had two glasses of iced tea for dinner. Well, yeah, I mean, but that, but that, yeah, I, I try not to have any drinks before we get on air just in preparation um, for going on air. So I, I definitely. I, when you were going, I was just saying how I thought being a bus driver was the most torturous job and something I could never, never do. And that is a big can of beer. That looks like a, a, a mini 24 can. ounce. Holy shit. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think electric vehicles still have a long ways to go. Let's revisit this episode, I guess. Um, <laughs> We've talked about I want electric vehicles to be better. Like I'm, I'm all for getting off of, of fossil fuel. You know, to me, it just it makes sense. Um, we're digging something up in the ground that's there's a, a finite supply of and at some point we're going to run out but in this particular case yes i did wash my hands in this particular case you probably just rinse them yeah, that's um, washing <laughs> that's uh, as washed as mine get um but uh in this particular case the pipeline and the company that controls the fuel pipeline through the basically the the gasoline supply for the eastern half of the united states was hacked and now we're all going to be fucked over the next week and they're saying we're going to be fixed by the end of the week but i don't actually think that's going to happen and i think this could get bigger in the articles i was reading today james i was reading about russia hacking uh some systems in the u.s and us hacking them and us hacking uh the iran uh, nuclear program, things like that. Well, that was something that Israel did, and it was pretty genius. Which is, which is, explain on that. So the way that you turn regular uranium into weapons grade uranium is you need to use a centrifuge. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Just so and that, so yeah. you know, you just you have to spin the uranium really, really fast, and the density differences between the two thirty eight, which is not that radioactive and the 235 which is the weapons grade the 235 is lighter so it will start to separate out but this is a really long process that requires a lot of centrifuges and a lot of time because uranium ore is not very pure and u-235 is not very common so like in regular uranium ore you might have like half a percent or less of a less than one percent by mass is the 235 so they've got the thousands of centrifuges spinning this to try and separate out 
the, the two different isotopes. And so what Israel did is all these centrifuges are controlled by computer programs for the speed and, and balance and everything else. So I think what Israel did is like they left like a flash drive in the parking lot of one of these facilities. And so somebody picks it up and, and like plugs it into a computer to this see is what brilliant. it is. This is brilliant. Yeah. It, yeah. Stuxnet. And so then the program, like the flash drive automatically installs a program and the program basically overwrites the code for the, for what's controlling the centrifuges. And it's not like it just deletes the program or whatever, because then they would have known there was a problem. What it did mm -hmm. was it just subtly changed it so that it would like make all the centrifuges go slightly out of balance. <laughs> But this happened over the course of like a few years or something. So this is why Iran couldn't didn't have nuclear capability well, it, earlier because they couldn't figure out why their programs weren't working. Why? Like, why is it that when we're running this, like some of the centrifuges will malfunction? It's you don't want to cause a major disturbance because then that's going to cause them to completely recon like just revamp the program and write it from scratch. It's you want to introduce little bugs here and there that don't show that there's a major problem with the program and cause them to just put a stop to everything and rewrite. So it was pretty smart the way they did it. I, I definitely, I remember hearing about this and thinking, uh, I think I heard it on radio lab, another great podcast, um, but absolutely brilliant hack. Um, but I really, I don't think we've done enough to keep Iran out of the kind of nuclear, nuclear power well, that's a completely separate debate because it's if they want to have a nuclear pro program solely to generate power for their country with no weapons. I don't think that's their plan. Well, that's so. And aren't there, isn't two that two different types of, of uh, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, basically it, it's two different types of technology that they would be developing through their nuclear program. Um, well, so the problem is that if you've got a peaceful nuclear program where all you're doing is running nuclear reactors to generate power, well, one of the byproducts of that is going to be plutonium, which then you can use. So you got U-235 and plutonium. Plutonium's better, but it's also harder to get. Um, and so if you've got reactors that are just so happening to produce plutonium, then the problem is it would be impossible to tell whether they're running a legitimately peaceful nuclear program for power or they were using it to also develop nuclear weapons. And so part of the Iran nuclear deal was regular inspections by the IAEA to go in and make sure that they were abiding by the terms so that way they couldn't develop a weapon because they were being supervised now iran didn't want to be supervised for obvious reasons so we had to incentivize them to get along on this deal so one of the provisions that got a lot of press and was misrepresented by by certain political factions was in the late 80s the united states seized a bunch of assets of the Iranian government. I think it was bank accounts that were held in US banks. And it was like $100 billion or something of Iranian money held in US banks that we just froze. Said, you guys can't access this. So it was their money. 
And so one of the carrots on the stick for this deal was giving them back the $100 billion. And so certain political parties made it sound like we were paying Iran $100 billion to join this deal, when in reality, we were just giving them their money back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like the, the question of are they developing this plant, the, the, this nuclear power to develop weapons or not? Um, legitimate concern, but the, the plan was designed to try and mitigate those worries. Sure. But if we're not, I mean, if, if we had this very bureaucratic plan to supervise them, and I imagine it being super bureaucratic, mm-hmm. very, very convoluted. Or, well, you of know, course. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you were a teenager and I told you I was going to uh, drug test you in a super convoluted way, and I was going to, you know, basically I was going to drug test you on a regular basis and we were going to sign off on it. And you knew all the details of the drug test. Don't you think it'd be really easy to kind of work around that? Only if you drew up a shitty deal. Well, I imagine if it was somebody that a teenager was willing to sign off on, it would kind of be, a, you know, a good deal for that teenager. So I don't know. I just imagine that if they know every detail of our super supervision, they'd be able to work around that pretty easily. Well, one of the one of the provisions in the deal was that that like we could basically and not by we our government, but the 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 group of signing countries of which we were a part of initially um, would be able to basically randomly test without notice. So just be like, hey, in a week, we're going to be landing our plane and we expect to be able to walk through your facility. So the, well, in the a week, is, in a week, we're going to we're going to come is, is part of my point, though. But the, the thing not, is not, hey, we're here. <laughs> like, yeah, imagine you're a teenager and you bring a girl up to your, your bedroom in your parents house and your parents are like, we're going to come up at seven o'clock exactly and check in on you guys and make sure you're not you're not uh, naked versus um, versus analogy. Well, I don't think so. If you're no, it's, announcing... it's a false analogy because the way that these kinds of things work is you can't just hide stuff in a week. You're, you're like the, the materials and the processes that are involved. You can't just like bury something in the back, like in the backyard and be like, yeah, we'll take that up when they leave. Um, we just walk around with the big Geiger counter. Is your uh, nuclear supply in this closet or in this? Beep, 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 beep. Oh, right. Yeah. It, you, and the thing is, each the, the radioactivity of the different isotopes is markedly different. So you'd be able to detect, detect traces of of something if they were trying to pull something off. These uh, and, and the people that wrote this deal are far smarter and more knowledgeable about nuclear technology than I'll ever be. So. Um, but the point is, it. Yeah, if you if you're looking to get away with something, then signing on to a deal allowing people to monitor you doing that makes it a lot harder. That would be the solution to the fuel crisis, though. If everybody had nuclear powered cars, um, that yeah, I don't I don't think that is very likely. I think we're going to get to your regular electric vehicles. I mean, I just think-, think about the traffic accidents. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that would be a very plausible solution. Um but but I definitely, you know, I think people are 
I think the electrical solutions are going to, I think electrical and solar power is going to be a much bigger solution to our fossil fuel. You know, if you have an electric vehicle and you have a charging station in your garage and you have solar power on the house and you have a battery pack as a backup generator generator for the house, I think you're going to be in good shape. Hydrogen power. But are they using hydrogen power to power neighborhoods and to power homes? Problem is that the infrastructure isn't there yet and the technology isn't there yet. But hydrogen is the most abundant element on this planet. Okay. And it's very easy to get. And the other thing that you need to burn hydrogen is oxygen. You know where we have tons of that? Yeah. Water. And the process to split hydrogen and oxygen is also pretty well known. The problem is that we haven't figured out a way of being able to do it at like a mass scale that's energy efficient enough. But with a little bit of electricity, you can split hydrogen and oxygen. And most people that took a high school chemistry class have done it. Um, And then hydrogen burns as clean as anything you'll get because the byproduct of burning hydrogen is water which means that you're going to burn something and then the byproduct of its burning is the ingredient you need to create more fuel. Yeah. So, but, but we don't have any effective technology right now. Well, I don't even think we're close on the hydrogen sphere of, well, we're not close when it comes to nuclear fusion, which would be like producing power at mass scale, but for more efficient, like mid to low power things, hydrogen's really good. It's just we haven't figured out an effective way to create a supply in, of hydrogen and oxygen. And then also the delivery systems of being able to transport hydrogen and oxygen in yeah, but- large quantities around the country to where it's needed. Well, I figure that would be safer than transporting fossil fuel by. In cargo ships and by pipelines. The problem with shipping hydrogen and oxygen is that you need to have them in a liquid state, mm-hmm. which means that they're going to be super cold. So like if you have a tanker truck full of gas and it crashes, it's a problem. Sure. But if you have a tanker truck full of liquid hydrogen, which or, is which is basically just as flammable and or combustible as oh way it, more um, yeah watch they, the video of the Hindenburg <laughs> that's that's where I was going with that um so but it's also super super cold yeah like negative four hundred and forty degrees or something but how do you keep things you have to be using a lot of energy to keep it that cold well that's another problem with it. Yeah, we should we should figure out a way to solve this uh, on air. <laughs> yeah, I really think that we've just misnamed the podcast. Uh, it shouldn't be sip talk. It should be two white dudes talking about things they have no business opining on. <laughs> uh, I actually, I, you know, the band The Strokes. I actually think they have a podcast along uh, somewhere along the lines of a very similar name to that, like like four dudes talking about shit they don't know shit about. Something, something along those yeah. lines. I'll, uh, I'll have to look it up. 
but are, are you going to be are you going to be going to any gas stations in the next week next week are you going to be hoarding this crap i don't at this point i don't need to and i've been taking the train to and from so i got a bunch of full gas tanks you know on uh you know in my garage uh but yeah i i also i also like like the risk of of just running out and like having to deal with that and just throw my hands up and say well you know and i got a couple of bicycles like i'll be i'll be you know be a I'll, pretty I'll, long ride into the city on by bike well yeah yeah so the strokes podcast is called five guys talking about things they know nothing about all right <laughs> so we're we're three less sometimes only two less and uh, probably more clueless than they are. Um, but also, I think the strokes went sober, which which I, I realize a lot of great music is written by people with addiction problems or people going through major issues like heartbreak and things like that. So a lot of great art and great comedy, actually, too. Yeah. And but which is a shame that this stuff is is fueled by addiction and depression and things like that. But um, I think but, sometimes people need to be in an extreme space to produce really good content that people connect with. Because I because if I'm having like a decent day and like I had an OK lunch and I had some breakfast and going to have a snack later and i'm going to go home and go to sleep like there's no severe motivation in my life to do really anything extraordinary but if i'm in a really bad place and like i need to get something off my chest or you know share my perspective or point of view or write a song or something like that you know that's that's where i think that stuff comes from well also you and i i wouldn't say that either of us are the creative type I, I really want to hone my creativity. I think. Uh, How? That, in, in what regard? I don't know. I think I'm going to start a podcast or something and just talk about shit that I know nothing about and see, <laughs> see where it takes me. What do you think about that? If, if that's qualifying as creative for you. Maybe, maybe enjoy a couple of glasses of. Yeah, what you should do is you should buy a whole bunch of canvases and some oil paints. <laughs> that, that aspect of. Uh, uh, art well, you know what not... I think you need to do is I think you need to get into slam poetry. What is slam poetry? It's like poetry, but you yell a lot. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep that up. I, I'd have to be in the right headspace for it. Or maybe that. maybe sonnets. You should write sonnets. What what uh, designates a sonnet exactly? I have no idea. I just think of sonnets <laughs> as like the super romantic poetry. I'm like dearest Gwendolyn. Uh, I'm gonna just look up what a sonnet is real quick. There's probably some form that you have to follow. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's, a, it's, like a limerick, but a poem of 14 lines using any of a number of formal rhyme schemes in English, typically having 10 syllables per line. Uh, being confined to uh, 14 lines, 10 syllable per line. I would, if I had anything I wanted to say, I would, I could not keep that train of thought through designating what syllables go into what lines and build my start with a haiku. Uh, Isn't a haiku not, wouldn't that be contradictory to what a sonnet is? Well, haiku is five, seven, five, three lines. 
Are you just saying don't like, like don't start building my sonnet with a haiku? Start writing haikus to get into the rhythm of writing something that is. Yeah, start small. Yeah, not. Uh, I write enough e. Maybe I should start writing <laughs> my emails in a haiku form. <laughs> You could do that on April Fools. Every single email you like you write is just five seven five. <laughs> Dude, I write so many emails. If I started writing in haiku, I don't think I would I would be productive at all. But I, I would spend too I, much time thinking about how to get it to the format. <laughs> and then I would just I'd like I get into like the second line. I'd just be done with what I wanted to say. So I just have to add like a pleasantry at the end. <laughs> you could do all your listings as as haikus. Like now you're on now now you're on to something there if if there was a real estate agent that wrote all of his listing descriptions as haiku that would that would really be something it would take a lot of commitment there's a guy that takes uh he takes a a pikachu stuffed animal and he puts it in the in each one of his photos of of apartments and uh and then he sues people for using his his photos so I'm I'm being sued right now by somebody because we had an agent use his photos in 2017. Um, he wants $150,000 per photo. Um, so I think we'll just have to start writing him some checks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. No, I, uh, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go with this, but I've uh, been seeking some legal advice. If anybody knows copyright law, Please reach out to me, Justin DiGiulio at Gmail. Uh, I would really love your perspective on this. I would just get some Zimbabwe dollars and send them those. Well, maybe I'll you know pay him with bitcoins. Um, That'll come up to be more expensive. But yeah, man, uh, start having uh, yeah, start doing all your listings in uh, in haiku. The, yeah, I, I I like that. That's you know I may use that in in one of my next training sessions. Just about being original. And standing out, and obviously it's going to have to be somebody who has some background in writing or something like that. Um, if you can count syllables, you can write a haiku. Yes, but these are these are real estate agents we're talking about, so <laughs> they might not <laughs> let, like let alone count syllables. They might not be able to define them. Well, right now, and we have, we have a, a newer agent. He's he's not a young guy, but he's not a great emailer. And I've been trying to, he basically capitalizes the first letter of every word of the sentence most of the time. Oh, so like everything's a title. Yes. And he presses the return key in odd sequences between lines and sentences. So it makes. You should buy him an MLA handbook. that's not a bad idea. It makes his uh, his emails very difficult to read. So, uh, but an MLA handbook, I think, might be a bit of overkill to solve the problem. I just I, I, I wasn't I say, being completely serious. Well, but, but I, I but I think it might be something that like he could he could read and digest. But my my or what you could do is you could take one of his emails and say, "Here's your email," and then say, "I rewrote this email for you. Start doing that." Well, and I, I like this guy. I, I don't want to shit on him too much, especially because he's new. But I helped him rewrite his bio today, which was writ, written with two different perspectives. So it was third person and first person. 
And I, I told him that that wasn't gonna, that wasn't gonna work for a buyer. You should have just averaged it out to second person. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> that I really would have enjoyed doing. <laughs> uh, but I just. I don't I don't want to trash talk too much because this guy's so new. Usually the guys that I know pretty good, like Adam, when I trash talk, staying in his house where I got to bring a tent to stay in his house. Yeah. But but when this guy sent me his bio today, every the first letter of almost every word was capitalized and punctuation was used infrequently. And the return key had been pressed in awkward places throughout the, the bio, not at the end of sentences or paragraphs, just randomly in the middle of sentences. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't worry about him listen, like hearing this podcast. Nobody else is. Uh, that's that 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 is true. Sometimes, Diego, uh, <laughs> what are you saying is mean? Whatever we're talking about. Well, yeah, but the, the, like, I there's a variety of topics. There's there's a lot uh, of things I said that could have been mean, but like, if you, I'm I'm thinking he might be referring to. Here's your email. Here's how I rewrote the email like do that or was it buying him the MLA handbook? <laughs> I think that could be constructive. And I, I just think it might be a bit too much for him to digest, but I do well, think you don't need it. Well, I don't know. Um, but let me just check our, our, our time here because there's a lot of editing that needs to be done. All right. We we're, we've reached, we've reached the end here. Um, <laughs> we did, we did not take the original direction. I thought we were going to, um so but, when do we do when when yeah when i know we? i know I, but that's the idea of the podcast hopefully if people can last through the podcast they can follow our train of thought throughout the podcast i can uh, after a after a couple of glasses of scotch or uh whatever whatever australian beer you're drinking down there we'll be back to bush ice by thursday hopefully right, i gotta get back into my regular doers and michelob ultra that's my that's my my go-to, and it has not been for a while. I've been really out of sorts since the, the Jersey move. Um, but yeah, let's tease. So Rosh has an idea. Let's tease this real quick. Um, if you were offered the opportunity to go on a spaceship to Mars as one of like the first human colonizers of Mars, would you take it? All right, so. So question for you guys that are watching live and we're going to wrap up. If you were offered a position, if you were offered a, a seat on a ship to Mars, would you take it? Um, I would not. I wouldn't either. And here's the other one that I want. And this is something, the reason why I'm saying it now is to give people two days to think about this one. For, the, for one of our next episodes, I want to do a dear sip talk episode where people ask us for advice. I, uh, I like that idea. I think we can build that up for uh, for Thursday. So I will I will work on that in the meantime. If you guys are watching live, before we wrap, send your advice questions to us. DM me, shoot me a text, shoot me an email. Uh, you can reach me by email at justindigulio at gmail um, or by text at 212-239-1839. Again, that's 212 239 one eight three nine shoot me a text let me know what you need advice on and uh, i'll start throwing some feelers out there on social media uh living the good life 
uh, a Jackie, Lisa, Doria. Thank you, Rosh, for uh, for manning the back end here. And uh, I will see you guys. I'm just looking at the last couple of guys that joined. I'll but see you guys next time. She's out of. She she doesn't want to be on the the first ship to Mars either. <laughs> that's, that's not sound safe. Uh, on that uh, note, it's a suicide mission. I mean, it is at the end of the day. On that note, I'm signing off. Thank you guys for joining. Catch you guys soon. Adios. Letters. All right, that concludes this episode. Were you a terrible person? Are you a terrible person? I hope not. If you're watching us, I know you have enough charity in your heart to uh, finish this episode. So uh, see you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.